one of my good friends when I was growing up was a, was a guy named Jeff Miller. He lived one street over and a half, half block down. We, we spent um, spring, summer, fall, all the time outside. We played basketball together in another guy's house. We played home run derby in the street. We played football, did all kinds of stuff. In sixth grade, um, Jeff Miller, you know, this is a long time ago, and, but in sixth grade, he blew out his knee. That, you know, who does that happen to, to a 12-year-old? And he had reconstructive surgery. And I remember going to his house after the surgery, and he had this cast that went from the top of his thigh down almost to his ankle. And uh, I, re I remember playing games with him at his house, talking to him, just kind of getting through stuff. You know, he kind of hobbled around, couldn't do anything. Here's, here's the thing that I remember so clearly. Six weeks later, he gets the cast off, and I go, and I walked to his house, and I saw him, and I started laughing because he had this normal leg, and he had this leg that had been in a cast for six weeks that had experienced, the word is atrophy, where that muscle had just shriveled up and died. I looked at him, and I said, that leg looks like a little girl's. Um, yeah, the, you know, here's this guy that we had done all this stuff with, the, the athletic could do all this stuff, and he's got this little spindly leg. Because those muscles that hadn't been used for six weeks were gone. What you don't use, you lose, right? What you don't use, you lose. Any NBA fans in here today? Anybody step and watch last night? Not, you're all sensible. I watched it. Um, <clears throat> if you're paying attention to the NBA, Steph Curry for the last two years has been the most valuable player in the National Basketball Association. This year, he won, um, he won the, the Most Valuable Player Award unanim unanimously. First time ever that that's happened. Uh, th this guy is incredible. He's an incredible athlete, incredible shooter. Really, really fun to watch. In the first round of the playoffs, um, he rolled his ankle and missed two games. Um, that everybody said, oh, what's going to happen with Golden State without Steph Curry? They made it through. He comes back. The third game towards the end of the first half, he slips um, on it, because there's moisture or sweat on the floor and, and sprains his knee. And he's out then for the next five games. For the next two and a half weeks, he can't play basketball. When he came back, he, he actually played pretty incredible in his first game back. But if you've watched the playoffs at all, if you've read about it, you know that Steph Curry is not the Steph Curry that he was before he was injured. He just hasn't played the same way. His shot's off, um, his, his conditioning, his stamina's not great because for three, three and a half weeks, he hardly played any basketball at all. What you don't use, you lose, right? That, that's, that's a part of our lives. We recognize it in all kinds of areas. What you don't use, you lose. Jesus told a parable that could be subtitled, what you don't use, you lose. Um, uh, it's a, that parable is found in Matthew 25. So if you've got your Bibles, take them out. If you don't have one with you, feel free to take it out of the back of the, of the row in front of you. Um, if you've got an electronic device, pull it out. I'm going to be uh, reading from the ESV. Um, but go to Matthew 25, and Jesus tells this parable, this parable of the talents. He says this, Matthew 25, verse 14. Is anybody else hot? Is there an easy way to fix that? Does anybody know? 
Jason, you are the man. Thanks. I know that there's a thermostat up here someplace, but I don't know how to use it. So, Matthew 25. For it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here's what, here's what you have. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked lazy servant you knew that i reap where i have not sown and gather where i scattered no seed and you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming i should have received what was my own with interest so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In that parable, Jesus taught one simple truth. We're going to get to that truth at the end of the message. But I want to build up to it. I want us to kind of unpack that story and see if we can make some sense about it. If you're listening right now, you're, and, and this is the first time you've ever heard this story, you're thinking, wait, 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 wait. He gave him five talents, two talents, one talent. What's that about? Because he talked about the money being buried. Here's the, here's the thing. The master was an incredibly generous and trusting man. Incredibly generous and trusting because a talent is a measure of weight, not an ability or gift in the New Testament times. So he wasn't talking about, oh, I give you the ability to sing, I give you the ability to count. Not that at all. It was a weight measurement. And that weight measurement, um, different cultures did it differently. We think probably that that, that a talent weighed about 75 pounds. 75 pounds. So he gives one guy five talents, another two talents, another one talent. Anybody have any, any idea what 75 pounds worth of gold is worth today? A lot of money. 
it, it's actually over a million dollars. It's at current rates, it's uh, somewhere uh, 1.1 million, 1.25 million, something like that. So the master gives these three servants, one guy, five million dollars, another two million dollars, and another one million dollars, and says, I'm going on a trip, you guys take care of stuff, I'm going to come back. Um, the master was incredibly generous with that. Now, I know for most of you, that's probably pretty normal stuff, but for me, to give away $8 million, even on loan, that's not something I usually do each day, right? Think, for, think, for, think with me for a second and think about what happens if you go into work on Tuesday morning and your boss says, hey, I'm going to take some time off. Here's $50,000, Use it for the business. You're in charge of it. Would that freak you out? That would get a little scary, right? What if he gave you $200,000? What if he gave you a million or five million dollars? The master was incredibly generous, but he was also incredibly trusting. He gave these resources that just were lavish to his servants. Um, the crazy thing is when you hear that story from Jesus, you don't see the master leaving those guys in charge of an operation or a business. He just gives them cash, resources. They could run off with it. They could have spent it. They could have, uh, like the prodigal son Chris talked about last week, they could have spent it on themselves. They could have bought Powerball tickets with it, right? Trying to double it or whatever. The master trusted his servants with with tremendous resources, resources that had the ability to change lives, resources that had the ability to change communities, resources that had the ability to change a culture completely. He trusted them. If you've heard this story before, um, uh, maybe if, if you've kind of grown up around, around the church, you maybe heard some people say, oh yeah, there, there are those five talent people, there are those two talent people, I'm just a one-talent person. You know, I, poor me, I'm a one... It's kind of like Eeyore, right? I, I don't have much. I got this one little talent. Do you understand that what, G, what, the, what the master in this servant, uh, what the master gave to the servant in that one talent was an incredible amount of money? The master... The master entrusted him with uh, incredible amounts of money. And so um, the, the whole idea of, oh, I'm just a one-talent person, understand that God has gifted you with whatever talents you have. Whether you're a five-talent person, two-talent person, one-talent person, God has gifted you incredibly. And there is no room for Eeyore in the kingdom of God in that sense. The master was incredibly generous, incredibly trusting, and interestingly enough, he gave something to everyone, right? All three servants got a piece of the pie. One got five million, one got two million, one got one million. There are people that God has given a lot to, people that God has given maybe not quite as much, and people that God has given less to, but God has given something to all of us. He's given us ability. He's given us financial resources. He's given us um, tools that we can use to further his kingdom. 
God has given something to everyone. For most of us, I think we think pretty regularly, oh, if I had what that person had, I'd be able to do this. That person's not doing it. But if I had their ability, if I had their resources, I'd certainly be doing, doing something much more significant. Um, I'm, I'm not all that naturally, athletically inclined. I know that's hard for you to believe at this point. Um, but back when, I was, back when I was young, I love sports. I, I love all kinds of sports. You can tell if you hear me talk because I can't hardly go a week without some kind of um, sports illustration. Um, but I had to work like crazy to be, to be able to play sports. Um, I, I have to work even now. If, if it's, there's a new game, I have to practice and practice and figure out how to do it so that I can be competitive at that. That's why I don't play golf. Um, it, it just takes so much time to be able to be skilled at that. But I remember when I was in ninth grade, I, I can remember this one practice because I was working and working and working, and I, was, I ended up being a pretty good football player. But I didn't have a lot of natural ability, and I saw this guy on our team, probably the, the guy in our school that had the most natural athletic ability, and he was throwing it away. He, he, he wasn't working in practice. He didn't study his playbook. He was drinking before he came to games, and it made me mad because I thought if I had his ability, if I had his ability, I could be all league. If I had his ability, I could be all state. If I had his ability, I could go to Ohio State and play for Woody Hayes. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Now, that wasn't very realistic. Um, but it made me mad because he was throwing away his ability. I looked at him and said, if I had that, I'd be able to do this. Anybody ever thought that before? You know what? That misses the point of this parable. God has given you incredible resources. He hasn't given you my resources. He hasn't given you her resources. He's given you the resources that you need to further his kingdom, to expand that kingdom. And the resources that God has given to you, he's given to you for a purpose. It may be the ability to teach. It may be the ability to be hospitable the ability to organize, the ability to think strategically, the ability to look past the externals of people and see what's really going on in their heart. It may be that God has given you this, this incredible um, sense to be able to love people who are unlovely. Maybe he's given you the ability to make money, the ability to lead, the ability to sell, the ability to invest, the ability to recognize when people are hurting. The ability to bring people who are on the outside and bring them to the inside. Whatever you have, whatever God has entrusted to you, you've got to use it. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. On the other hand, Jesus taught that if we're, he taught in this parable that if we're faithful in the little things that God has given us, more will be given to us. We'll have the opportunity to be faithful with much more. Master was incredibly generous, inc incredibly trusting. He gave something to everyone, and interestingly enough, he gave to each person according to their own ability. There was a reason that he gave the first servant five talents. 
$5 million. He knew that that guy had the ability to use that and use it well. God won't give you more talent, more ability, more financial resources than you're capable of handling. He will not throw you in the deep end of the pool when you've never swam before and just expect you to find your way through it. The, the interesting piece to me about, about that phrase that the master gave to each according to his ability, inherent in that statement is this sense that the master knew the people who served him. He knew what they were about. He knew what their strengths were. He knew what their weaknesses were. He knew what they could do and what they couldn't do. And there is incredible good news for that in that for us. Do you understand that God knows you? He made you. And the gifts that he's given you, he's given you because they're designed specifically for who you are. It's, it's such, it's such an incredible thing. Um, if you're a leader in any area of your life, there's a side challenge here that I just want to give. If you're a parent leading your kids, if you're a manager at work, if you're a leader in your group of friends, let me, let me just encourage you to dive in and get to know the people that you lead. Don't just make decisions that are based on you and what's best for you. Know the people that you lead. That's what this master did. That's why he was able to entrust them with such huge sums of money. He knew who they were. That's a challenge for us. Um, you know, when we think about this particular parable in our language, I, again, when I read it this morning, I was, I was just thinking, oh, you know, we hear the word talent and we think like a talent to sing, a talent to, to you know, to do numbers, a talent to do whatever. But when Jesus told this story, it was all about financial resources. It was, it was a money thing. Jesus didn't say, oh, he gave one guy five abilities. What he said was, this master went on this trip and he gave a guy $5 million. He gave another guy $2 million. He gave another guy $1 million. And then ultimately, um, he went on this trip. Um, don't, that, does this apply to our talents? Absolutely. Our gifts, our abilities. Does it apply to our time? Absolutely, it does. Does it apply to our financial resources, to our treasure? It absolutely does. That was the target of this particular story. Don't marginalize Jesus' teaching about material wealth that he has entrusted to you by taking this parable and focusing on the time, on the talent piece of it. The starting place was, was on the financial resources, on what you have, that what God has given you to use that to expand his kingdom. Work out from there to your time. Work out from there to your gifts, your ability, to your talents. You know, when the master left, he expected that his resources would be put to use by his servants. The resources that God has given to you, God expects you to use. Now, that may be in the context of the church here at North Point. It may be that God has gifted you so that you can serve internally here at North Point in incredible ways. But with all the gifts that God has given you, financial resources, whatever, he's given them so that his kingdom can, can expand. And that may, the use of those gifts may take place completely outside of the context 
of, of the local body here at North Point. The key is that the resources are used to further the kingdom of God. So the question is, where's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is anywhere that the king reigns, right? Anywhere where, anywhere where God is, where Jesus is, that's the kingdom of God. Anywhere where the king reigns. Mother Teresa didn't work in the context of a church, right? She worked in the slums of India because that's where the kingdom of God was. She advanced the kingdom because of her work with hopeless, with, uh, with the injured, with the poor. Using your talents, using your abilities, using your financial resources for God's kingdom, that involves risk. Don't miss that. Um, which would have been worse for the servants to, to uh, not use the money at all or to use the money and risked it and have lost it. I've got to believe that the master would have come back if one of the servants had said, you know what, I tried, I worked and worked and worked, and this happened, I lost. I've got to believe that the master would have been okay with that because he had entrusted those resources to the, to, to the guys, understanding what their skills were, understanding how they worked. It would have been much better for them to take the risk than to bury the talents, as you can see from the end of the parable. This, uh, this whole all-in thing, it reflects back to a message two weeks ago, the parable that Jesus told, the pearl of great price, the buried treasure, where, where the guy sold everything, sold everything to acquire that, um, that risk that we talked about in that is inherent, it's, it's, uh, it's a, a vital part of the challenge of this parable. Whatever God has given you, you need to not say, oh, I, I don't think I should do that because I'm really not very good. You've you got to develop those gifts. You've got to develop those resources. I want to I invite a friend up on stage. Um, some of you know, some of you don't know. This is Joe Cole. Everyone say, hey, Joe. He said, I'll do this. I'm, I'm going to be really nervous. And I said, it'll be okay. Just talk to me. So uh, does Joe look familiar? Uh, um, on Sunday mornings, you'll see him oftentimes over there playing lead guitar, which is a really cool thing. Uh, it may be when you look over there, you say, I've seen that guy someplace else too. He used to be the general manager at uh, the DeWitt McDonald's. So if you were in the DeWitt McDonald's, he was there all the time. He's, he's rocking it with McDonald's. They actually moved him from DeWitt to Charlotte to, uh, to a, a bigger store and let his wife be the GM at the DeWitt McDonald's now, which is really, really cool. So, Joe, um, what happened when you were 10 years old? I got my first guitar for Christmas. Was it sweet? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, so when you were a little, when you were a little kid, you had this desire to do some music. And so you got this guitar and your friend got some drums. Yep. I, I had, uh, some other friends, they got some instruments of their own. So we all got together and we started making noise together in the same room. So you were, you were a rockin' band. We were a horrible band. <laughs> <laughs> but you began to play more and more. But, uh, yeah, I, I just started playing every single day, every opportunity I got. Uh, get home from school, I wanted to play. Even at school, I would take my guitar with me and play during breaks. Um, and it went that way for like 12 straight years. You're playing all the time. So what happened when you were like 15, 16 years old? 
Uh, when I was 16, my dad took me to go see one of his friends play in a local bar. I know, we're in church, but <laughs> local bar. Uh, and while we were there, um, they looked a little frantic, and it turned out their guitar player hadn't shown up. Uh, so they remembered that my dad said I played, and they brought me up, and they said, we know you know none of the songs. Uh, we'll give you the key, and then we'll go. So it was a little rough, but uh, it from there on, every Friday and Saturday, I actually wound up playing with that group uh, out in different places. So you're 15 or 16, playing in a bar yep. with a band full of 40 and 50-year-old guys. Yep. 50 and 60-year-old. 50 and 60-year-old men. I stood out. <laughs> but you played a ton. A lot. Uh, they, all the gigs were right around three to four hours, so I got a whole lot of practice and uh, got pretty skilled there for a little while. So you're playing all the time, and life changes, and you get married, and you move to Michigan, and what happens? Uh, when we moved to Michigan, my wife came first. Uh, she flew out with my son, and then I drove out in my tiny Mazda 6 and only took with me what I could fit in the vehicle, so I left most of my musical stuff back. How much stuff did you have at that point? Uh, 12 guitars, four half-stack amplifiers, and I moved here with that stuff right over here in the corner. So you got here to Michigan, you've got one guitar left, one amp, and what happened? Uh, any it opportunity to play? It collected dust. It collected uh, dust. A lot of dust for uh, probably about three years, it collected dust. So about three years you don't play at all. Um, in the meantime, start coming to North Point, kind of tell that story. Uh, well, my wife, uh, she grew up in the church. She said uh, our son would have more structure if we attended a church, so she was hunting for a church when we got to Michigan. Eventually, she came across North Point and said that I'd probably like the music, so she figured she could probably get me in the building. Uh, so I started coming as well. Were you a skeptic at that point? I, not even a skeptic, just didn't even talk about Jesus at all. And, and, but you kept coming. Absolutely. Uh, she was right. I did like the music. And uh, after a little while, uh, Chris had reached out to me about North Point 101 and coming into that. And when I got there, uh, I met a lot of people, met Chris, and everybody was talking about what it was like, uh, what, how their life was being impacted by Jesus or how they were moving towards learning about Jesus. Uh, and afterwards, I approached John, uh, John Seeger, and uh, asked him if he could get with me and if we could uh, talk a little bit more about it. And he offered to uh, go meet me for breakfast. And now we still meet for breakfast whenever we can. That's, that's very cool. And so, and so this, this whole concept of living a life fully devoted to Jesus, uh, John just kind of introduced you to that. Yeah, it, and, was, it was a really awesome experience. And then last fall, you were baptized by John. Yes, I was. Cool. So, so somewhere in that process, um, you in, in ended up connecting with Jamie or whatever. Did you? What was the deal in terms of the band here? I really wanted to come up here and talk to them about playing, uh, but I, at that point, had still not uh, started working towards my life with Jesus, and so I was nervous about it. But one day, I did come up here and I spoke with Jamie and Bruce about uh, coming and trying out for the band, and they immediately said yes. I came to the next practice and uh, tried out, and they said that I was good enough <laughs> for now. <an hour. laughs> 
And now I and, play with Ben. And now you play with Ben. <laughs> so if you think back to that time, so you come to rehearsal, you haven't really played much for three years. What was that like? Really hard on my fingers. Really hard on my fingers. They had lost all of the calluses that I used to have. Uh, so it was extremely painful for, for probably the first few months. Because what you don't use, you lose. And, um, and, and, th and that was there. Um, but as you began to develop that again, to develop those abilities, God has used that and blessed you in some cool ways as well. It's been really, really fun. Uh, every single time that I come and jam with these guys, I learn a little bit more. And to be able to be a part of uh, everybody else's worship is just really a great opportunity that I'm really excited over. I don't know if you do this. I, I, you know, I sit right down here. One of the things I love about worship at North Point is being able to look up and see the band and to see Joe in his journey beginning to grasp who God was and uh, take steps. It's just been an incredibly cool thing. Would you give it up for Joe? Thanks, man. Using your talents, using your gifts involves risk. It was risky for Joe to come up and say, hey, could I try out? It was risky for him to, uh, to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus. Using your abilities um, takes risk. But God gives us those abilities. He gives us those resources, expecting us to use them. Ultimately, the master in the story returns and he holds his servants accountable, right? If you've got your Bibles, um, if you've got them electronically or if you've, got a, if you've got a version, look at Matthew 25. And what I want you actually to do is just flip back a page and look at the chapter before, the context that Jesus tells this parable in. If you look at what's in Matthew 24, the thing that you'll find is that Jesus is teaching about what's going to happen at the end of time. He talks about when the Son of Man comes back. All of chapter 24 is about the return of Jesus, about the return of the Savior, the return of the Master. In, um, in Matthew 24, 44, Jesus says, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. He then jumps in, if you look at the beginning of chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable about 10, 10 virgins who are there for a wedding ceremony. They're supposed to be there to celebrate when the groom comes in for the wedding. Five of them have lots of extra oil and are well prepared. Five of them don't. The groom's a long time coming. Those five with, with just a little bit of oil, that expires. They run out to get more and then the groom comes back. And they're not allowed into the wedding because they weren't there. They weren't prepared when the groom returned. After that, right after that parable, Jesus says, it's like that with this man going on a journey. The master's coming back, and you'd be, you better be about his business. The master goes out, and he comes back with an expectation that the resources that he has given to these servants will be used well. When he returns, there will be an accounting, a time when inventory is taken, when all accounts are settled. We, we get that, right? What happens when your boss goes on vacation? When they go on vacation and they come back, 
The next day, what's the first thing they, they say? Tell me what's going on. What happened with this? What happened with this? What happened? They take inventory of what's going on. And there's accountability for how the time was spent, for whether or not the project has made progress or been the deal has been closed, that kind of stuff. The master was going to hold his servants accountable when he returned. Ultimately, here's where we are. What's the, what's the purpose of this parable? The purpose that Jesus taught this parable was to, to communicate that the master is going to return and there is going to be accountability for each of us. The parable finishes with, with the master saying to the servant, you wicked, lazy servant. Here's the question. Are you being wicked and lazy in not using the resources that God has given you to further his kingdom? Are you pretending like the master is not going to return? That it's not a big deal for you to not use those resources that he has entrusted to you? The one talent guy says, I knew that you harvest where you didn't sow. I knew that you were a hard man. Understand, understand in this parable, Jesus teaches some important things. Jesus, or God will be a strict judge. If you look right beyond this parable, what's there? Jesus talks about, uh, tells another story about separating the sheep from the goats. God will ultimately divide those who know him, who love him, who are committed to follow him completely, and those who don't. Those who are fully devoted followers of Jesus and those who aren't. He'll separate those who are just going through the motions. But he will return. Jesus said this in John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you so. But I'm going to, pre to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you there as well. That where I am, you can be too. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you don't expect. In Acts chapter 1, as Jesus ascends into heaven, there are angels there, and the, and the apostles are just kind of looking up in the sky, not knowing what to do. And the angels say, men of Galilee, why are you standing looking at the heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he's going to come back in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Whether it's when Jesus returns, which it's going to be a really cool thing, and all of us experience that simultaneously. Or whether it's like crystal, our life here on earth ends. We will face God. We will be accountable to him. And the question is, what words will you hear? Will you hear, you wicked, lazy servant? Or will you hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Welcome into the joy of our Lord. The challenge for us today is to recognize that God has given us incredible resources, financial resources, gifts, time, ability, talents, 
and we need to use them to expand his kingdom. Let's pray. God, there's, there's just so much left to unpack in that. How do we do that? How do we take what you've given us and use it for you? God, how do, how do we recognize all the stuff? Why don't we start thinking about a million dollars, Lord, five million dollars. How do we even know what to do with that? Lord, we ask your spirit. We ask that you would fill us with your spirit that we would recognize the opportunities that you give us to take what you have entrusted to us and to use it for your kingdom so that we can hear those words, Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna sing a song that I love. The third verse it really helps us as we think about this, the eternal nature of what we're talking about today. Um, it, just, just know that there's going to be a time that comes that we will see Jesus. May we be faithful to death. Let's stand together. Let's sing.